Welcome to Bible Mysteries. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? You're listening to episode 156, The Millennial Reign of Christ, Restoration. Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. Welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell. I'm John Potts, and this is the show that talks about things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. John, welcome back. We are fresh off of a couple of things here. We've got uh, the Karen Wilkinson episode that just was fantastic. That was pretty heavy. Man. Pretty heavy there. What an amazing thing. <laughs> so those of you that uh, got a chance to see that or haven't heard of it yet, Karen's book, uh, stolen Seed, Evil Harvest. Mm-hmm. It is eye-opening, and it is really amazing. So thank you, Karen, for that. And then we started talking about the millennial reign of Christ. Something I have a lot of questions about. Yeah? So I, I'll try not to stop you too many times, because I know you got a lot of information <laughs> to get through. Well, we're going to try to keep it as, as easy as we can, but I do think a lot of Christians don't know much about this. Yeah. The kingdom of heaven is a term that, is so sort of nebulous, yeah. and they talk about it all the time, and some think we're talking about just God's kingdom in general. But I think there's a distinction between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And the okay. kingdom of heaven is specifically referring to the time when Christ returns with his kingdom to the earth. And that's what we're going to focus on. So think of like the kingdom of heaven as a subset of the kingdom of God. Okay. In the kingdom of God, we're in it now. We, as a believer in Christ, you're you're uh, translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Yeah. yeah. But as uh, the actual fulfillment of the millennial reign, the thousand years that has yet to be done. Okay. And so that's what we're focusing on those thousand years over this next. As it turns out, it's going to be four parts. I said three, but four <laughs> parts. Four parts. Yeah. So I think so many Christians have the question of what happens to me after. Call it after I die, after the rapture, whatever. Do I go to heaven? Do I live on another planet? But the the answer is we're here on earth, right? Right. And then what are we doing on earth? For that thousand yeah. years. Yeah. So I guess you got you have four parts to to explain that to us. Right. So we're gonna cover so the first episode, this will be our second episode. The first one was talking about the return of Christ. Exactly. So yeah. Already discussed how he comes to destroy the armies of the Antichrist. And then he'll set up his reign. And today we're going to talk about restoration. So the nation Israel is going to be restored to their promised covenanted priesthood. And then the next episode, we're going to talk about the priesthood Hmm. and what they're doing. Because a lot of Christians are not aware of the fact that there will be sin offerings and sacrifices during the thousand year reign. Yeah, that's kind of... That's a little strange, right there, because you think it's like a perfect earth. They it throws but people it's off. Not, they, right? they think it's what they're seeing is a forced a foretaste of what's coming, the new heaven and the new earth. Okay. But it's not the actual new heaven and new earth yet. So that there'll still be death, there'll still be sin hmm. during that time, and we'll discuss why. And then the final segment of the millennial reign of Christ, we're going to talk about the peace 
that's going to be there and how perfect, like you said, just this perfect paradise on earth finally, mm -hmm. that the utopia that men have always been trying to create on their own without God. Hmm. Which brings me back to you know current events and things that we do like to talk about because that's more and more what we're seeing. We're seeing the satanic global elites or the Luciferians trying to take control of everything, the property, the Lahaina fires, yeah. I'm convinced was not a wildfire. Um, oh, no, yeah, no way. <laughs> uh, and many, many others. And by the way, it's just, it's just been swept under the rug. Right. right. The same with Paradise, right. California. The same with all these events going on. When you mm -hmm. start connecting the dots, this is intentional. Uh, it's not just government doing it, although they're, they're involved because I think the weapons are controlled by the military. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But there's the these elites are behind it and they're telling us in their meetings, on their websites, in their conferences what they what their agenda is, what they plan to do. You'll own nothing, you'll be happy. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. agenda twenty the twenty thirty is always the year. We're gonna get rid of gas cars by twenty thirty. We're gonna uh, have fifteen minute cities by twenty thirty. Mm -hmm. All of this is part we're seeing them play out exactly what they said they're gonna do. And it ultimately comes down to once they control the majority interest of the property rights on the planet Earth, which is what communism, socialism, and all that is all about, yeah. then they will be able to turn the title deed over to the Antichrist. Well, 2030, I mean, that's not too far off. Let's go. Not far. <laughs> so we're going to get rolling let's here. Let's do this, right? Yeah, let's do it. So let's thank our uh, premium subscribers. Absolutely. So this episode is going to be brought to us by Deborah S., Randall W, Perry M, Denise H, and Amanda H. So thank you guys very much for subscribing and supporting the the ministry. It's not a show; it's a ministry. Yeah, thank this you. This isn't entertainment. This is we're talking about real stuff here. Well, we hope it's entertaining to some to some degree, and we want it to be edifying. Yeah. But we certainly uh, consider this to be a ministry, and absolutely hope that we can reach more and more people. As of our most recent Q and A live stream that we did. Uh, we're now around 208,000 unique listeners. That's crazy. Uh, it's, an, it's amazing. So it's because of you guys. The premium subscribers are what allow us to continue to do this. And we do provide a lot of free content. But uh, the bonus content we give you is what we hope will make you, uh, if the Lord puts it on your heart, to uh, support us through the, the monthly plan or the yearly plan if you choose. And that helps us keep going. So we really, really appreciate you guys. Absolutely. My whole thing is, John, we don't have that much time left. I yeah, truly there's believe, a lot of people to reach. Yeah, yeah, I truly believe we're in the last days. So, and and when the Lord does return, as we stated at the, mm -hmm. in the last episode, it's it's basically the end of the world as we know it. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be the beginning of something else. So share it. Yeah. So we need to we need to reach him before yeah. he does return. All right. So anyway, let's get into the restoration part uh, because the times of restoration where Israel is concerned. Okay. begins when the Lord returns. Now, the first episode, we talked about the Lord's returning and he defeats the armies of the Antichrist. So okay. once they're out of the way and the satanic global elites are all thrown into the prison of hell, mm -hmm. uh, and we're looking forward to that, actually the, the Antichrist and the false prophet <laughs> are immediately thrown into the lake of fire. So they'll be the first occupants yeah, not good. in the lake yeah, of fire. not good. Then uh, we're going to start to see the restoration. And these promises of restoration pertain to the nation Israel. Too often today, Christianity has taken the line of, um, of doctrine, which is known as replacement theology. 
and it essentially says the church replaced Israel. So all the promises God made to the Israel as the nation come to the church. Okay. But that's not true. Because if it were, then God lied. He was intentionally uh, opaque or uh, he obfuscated the truth or he was disingenuous. Okay. Because it's a nation, a real nation of real people that are from the seed of Abraham, that are from the line of Israel, Jacob, and they are going to be restored to be the kingdom of priests that God had promised they would be. So if that was all really just uh, hyperbole and metaphor, then he lied. Okay. So we can't we can't uh, assign any lie to 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 the Lord. So are they going re- to are they going to dwell in that territory in that land, the chosen land again? Absolutely. Those promises are going to be filled in okay. the land. And what we think of in modern Israel today is a fraction of what the actual land is. It's actually it's like the area, right? Mm-hmm. The we even know the borders. Yeah, the yeah. borders go from the Euphrates River to the Nile. Okay. That's a huge, I mean, that's so most it's, of it's what we call Saturday everything Arabia. from Jordan, uh, you know. All the way down into Egypt, everything, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Absolutely. So we start in Joel chapter 2 where we see the promise, not the first promise, not the only promise, but one of the most clear promises about God saying to Israel, I will restore. And so we have to think about restoration. And another word associated with it uh, is restitution. Okay. Now, when somebody says, uh, I need restitution, John, in your mind, what, what comes? It's like, it's like repayment. Yeah. Pay something. Yeah. 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 And, and in a way, it, it fits here. That same definition that we use in a modern sense fits because Israel was given a promise they broke the covenant, mm-hmm. not God. They rejected Christ. They refused to obey. They killed the prophets. You know, every way you want to slice it, nationally, there were the handful that did believe, but nationally they rejected the offer. Okay. So God punished them. They became not my people, low am I, yeah. you know, in Hosea chapter 1. And therefore, God had warned them through Moses back in Deuteronomy 28, I believe, that if you don't obey, all these curses will come upon you. And they did. Okay. They did. And Israel became, uh, you know, uh, scattered, uh, persecuted. Uh, think of the Holocaust. Think of the all of those things, the, the Spanish Inquisitions and, yeah. and things like that over history. And yet, to this day, still remain a unique people. You know, now you can yeah. get into, are there phony Jews, Israelites I'm talking about. Yeah. You can talk about where the scripture says there's something called the synagogue of Satan. And there's something to that. But God hmm. is able to bring them back to restore them. So he's kept them a homogenous people through all these thousands of years of hmm. of calamity and curses and things like that because the promise is still going to be fulfilled. Yeah. So Joel chapter 2 we start reading in verse 21 where God says, "Fear not, O land," and it's the very land we were just discussing, right? Okay. Israel. "Be glad and rejoice for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field." For the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth her fruit. The fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion. Zion is another name for Jerusalem. Okay. And rejoice in the Lord your God. And I think the word Zion tends to be connected with Jerusalem when it's in favor, when it's righteous. Hmm. Not when it's uh, in, you know, apostasy. Okay. 
For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. Former and latter rain has to do with seasons. You know, you want your rain to come when you plant, and you want the rain to come right before harvest. Yeah. You know, you don't necessarily want it to rain so much that it ruins the crops. So there was a promise if Israel obeyed the Lord that they were going to get rain in exactly the right measure. Yeah, because you're trying to work the fields in the middle. You don't want to be yeah. all muddy. Yeah, well, that's probably some of that too. Or, or, and you know, there's something about, and I don't understand um, agriculture in Texas, but here, like, we raise a lot of corn, but it's not for human consumption. It's mostly for cattle feed. And, yeah. And because of that, the corn has to have a specific moisture content. Because I used to drive by and see all these fields of corn, and you'd see them green and lush in the beginning of the, of the season. And then you'd start to see them wilt and turn brown and dry up. And I'm thinking, why don't they why don't they right, water this? Out. They want it to dry out. It's got yeah. to be less than so much moisture, I think yeah. 15% or something, because it's going to be used for cattle feed. And so uh, if it was a rainy summer, that would ruin their whole profit market, yeah. you know. So I kind of get that now. And, and again, I'm sure there's going to be some ranchers out there that go, oh, that idiot doesn't know what he's talking about. And they're right. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah. that's just my perception of trying yeah. to use an analogy for the former rain and the latter rain. Okay. So he says, uh, be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately. He will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat. And the fats shall overflow with wine and oil. And fats there would be like, you could almost say it's a container. Like we might say the word vat, like a vat of oil. So fat was the old English word for it. And the floors, he's talking about the threshing floor. When they take the wheat and they beat it and they remove the grain from the Yeah, it shall be full of wheat. Yeah. kind of an interesting statement. Yeah, yeah. full of wheat. And they're talking about the grain or the kernel of the wheat, you know, or what, what is literally called the corn of the wheat. Mm-hmm. You know, the word corn, as we understand it, is we think of maize, you know, maize as in mm-hmm. the corn on the cob. But corn in the King James Bible is is not anachronistic. It's a it's the term for kernel. It's the root of kernel, K-E-R-N. Okay. Uh, and so kernel of, of grain, a corn of grain could be wheat, oat, barley, whatever. Okay. Milk. The floor shall be full of wheat, and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I send among you. Now, those worms are symbolic of something, and they have to do with the four empires we've discussed in the past, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Really? Yeah, it's likened unto insects. Now, all of these insects are damaging to crops, so you can see why that was used as an analogy, yeah. as a metaphor. You know, when these empires came in to conquer Israel, they would destroy the fields. Hmm. Rome salted fields, so you couldn't grow anything yeah. for generations. You know, salt has some effect on the soil that causes it to become unusable. Yeah, you just ruin it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hmm. So what he's saying is, here's the promise of restoration. Here, I'm going to restore to you the years that these armies ate. And he says, my great army, which I sent among you. And so the contrast of that time of devastation and waste is you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. So there's the promise of restoration right Hmm. there. Okay. 
So you've got Israel being told, yes, you had to go through all this because of your disobedience. But when I come back, those of you in Israel that do accept me, and we've talked about it before, uh, and I want to say it's Zechariah, although I could have the wrong uh, passage, but God said that I'm going to bring you through the fire. Yeah. So that's the time of Jacob's trouble, the time okay. of the seven years of tribulation. Yeah. I'm going to bring you through the fire. Is that the entire seven years or just the first three and a half? You know, really, when you think about it, the whole That's time... That's just me not knowing, but sorry. Well, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're right. There's there's a distinction because there's a separation of events, and there's a first half and a second half. Yeah. So yeah. three and a half and three and a half. So you're right about that distinction. But is it? are you asking, is it a time of fire in the first half or the second half? And I say it's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. From their perspective, you've got Israel in the first half, what I glean going on, is the 144,000 are preaching to restore Israel. And God starts dealing with Israel nationally again, which is going to really be precipitated by Gog and Magog, that battle, that invasion, when God, I guess you could say supernaturally, intervenes and protects them from a coalition of nations. And from that, I think that's going to coincide with the rapture somehow. We're going to go out maybe while that's going on, and that's where the attention is focused. I could be wrong about that. Okay. But it would be a perfect cover. You know? hmm. The thing that kind of blows my mind about the seven-year tribulation, I've always thought of it as being the, like this crazy, nutso time where things are just going wild, right? And it will Rolling. be. But what I've come to learn from you more than anything else is that the first three and a half years are actually a time of... They're good times, right? Like No. They're not? Am no. I wrong here? Yeah, okay. they're not good times. They're not? They're, I, I thought it was like prosperity, and you have the man of perdition who comes on the scene, and he establishes peace and things like that. All that's false, though. See, really? that's a deception. Really? Yeah. Okay. So you're, you you picked up on, the, on, on part of it correctly. Okay. He does bring a false peace. He obtains the kingdom by flattery. Yeah, it doesn't, he, he's the guy, right? Yeah. And, and what you're thinking of, too, is you might be tying in the temple being built and the wealth flowing into it that causes yeah. Jerusalem to become apostate. And but isn't there we talked peace about mystery that? Or, or is there a lot of bad stuff going on? Well, remember, all the deception of the things in the, in the fearful sights and the wonders in heaven, that's all going on. Okay, and then it, and then the plagues start to be poured out. So there's there's no there's no real peace. There's a false sense of peace, and okay. then there's going to be the sign of the coming of the Son of Man, and the nations crying out, saying to the rocks and the mountains, "Hide us from the face of the Lamb." Yeah. So they turn to the Antichrist because they say, "Who's able to make war with the beast?" And he says, "I can defeat God," and that, that's he, where he's the the he's essentially the savior, right? To them, to the yeah. world at that point, yeah, which is why the they'll worship, yeah, and take his mark. Wow. Yeah. So the first half, I don't think, is when the mark is being implemented. The first half is when the focus is on Israel being called back to God. Yeah. Signs and wonders are going on, and the two witnesses are there performing. But it's causing no rain to fall. So they're going to curse them, and they're going to curse the God of heaven because plagues are falling mm-hmm. from God. So it's not a time of, of fun. You know, ah, okay. now once, the, yeah, once yeah. those two are finally killed by the Antichrist, the two witnesses, then they, they rejoice and make merry over their deaths. But then right after that, the plagues start to pour out and they're going to wish. Then it really goes haywire. And that's that wow. stuff coming up out of the bottomless pit and everything else. Yeah. yeah. I'm out of here at that point. 
I'm good. Oh, we're gone before that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we're gone uh, uh, good, a good while before, while before that. So then, uh, anyway, all of this happens before the Lord returns. Okay. And then we've got the time of restitution or restoration. Okay. So Israel's being restored as a nation, and the promises are being fulfilled. And the main promise, the main covenant that I think a lot of Christian teaching today usurps from Israel and applies to the church is found in Jeremiah 31. Okay. So Jeremiah 31, verse 31, is actually God saying, here's the new covenant. This is what I'm going to do when I make a new covenant, because you broke the old one. Okay. All right? So Jeremiah 31, verse 31. <laughs> Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. There's no mistaking that. You can't say with the church, the body of Christ. There's yeah. no way you can yeah. put that in there. You can't read it in. Yeah. And he says, this covenant is not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers, the fathers of Israel, in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, further defining nation. God didn't take okay. a church out of Egypt. Yeah. He took a nation out of Egypt, which my covenant they break or broke, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord, and further defining the relationship between God the father, the husband, Israel the wife. Okay. Now, yes, the church is a bride. The church is a type and, and all that stuff in Christ. But that's separate. This is way before Christ. So there's still a relationship with the nation Israel. It's a family. It's a spousal relationship, which is why over and over again, Israel, when she cheated on God, is likened unto adulterous woman. Okay. When she went, yeah. and it says you went a-whoring after other gods. You played the harlot. Yeah. It was yeah. like an unfaithful spouse that she left her true husband and she went seeking after lovers, the gods, the fallen mm -hmm. angels. Which blows me away that they would do that. I know. <laughs> right. And, and you want to think that we, we're so smart we would never fall for that, but we don't know what the deception was at the time. Yeah. Although God holds them accountable for it. So they should have known better. The thing that really blows me away is God was in their midst, is what the Bible says, right? Like, I'm reading the book of Deuteronomy right now, yeah. and I just finished Numbers. God was with them, right? And it says that there was other gods that were with the other nations. So that that's kind of a mind-blowing thing right there. Like, who are these other gods, right? Yeah. And, and I texted you, and I said, who are these gods? They're like fallen angels right. who are on earth with them. But God is with them, right? The 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 nation of of Israel. Yeah. And that's literally... How much faith do you need, right? If you can literally yeah. see a pillar of fire and smoke in front of you, leading you through the wilderness, don't you go, there he is right there, right? They, or do you just go... <laughs> they saw him there. They saw him in the signs and the power that he demonstrated in parting the Red Sea and defeating the, the enemies in defeating, Jericho. And, I mean, people 15 feet tall. You're, yeah. going, you're going to war against people 15 feet tall. Or taller. Yeah, or bigger, yeah. and you still beat them, and you don't go, you know, this is the guy to follow, right? And then remaining in the Holy of Holies of the tabernacle, in the in the glory, the Shekinah glory over the mercy seat, and every year the high priest would see that, and still, with all that, they still rebelled and went a-whoring. Kind of makes me not feel bad for the stupid stuff I do. <laughs> <laughs> right? Fair point. <laughs> 
It also makes me think about how strong the deception is yes. for the fallen angels, what they would offer to entice them. And, and the strong, to me, it was a very strong sexual connotation because they always ended up worshiping fertility gods. You know, that's, yeah, that was yeah, the focus yeah. of pagan worship, you know, and even, even to the point of offering their children in the fire. They always go back to it, right? Yeah. Hmm. You know, when, remember when we were talking with Karen Wilkinson about why certain things were going on and why was she assaulted yeah. uh, by these entities that abducted her? And she said that she believes these entities are obsessed with sex. Yeah, because there's power in yeah. it somehow. Somehow. Yeah. And, and, and I think it has to do with the fact that God gave man whom he created, only man, the ability to reproduce. Yeah. You know. So there's some kind of power in that, yeah. right? There's... Well, they call it sex magic, right? Yeah. I mean, Satanists use it. There's power in sexual energy, and there's power in blood. Yeah. All of which are part of a and cult worship. Satan's, Satanists use the two. They mix them together yeah. to, to almost like compound energy. I'm sure it's a way. It yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's a way to, to, yeah, to increase. And they're always about more power. Absolutely. That's what it's all about, right? I mean, it's the love of money. It's the love of power. Yeah. What does money get you? It gives you power. I mean, what does all that get you? Exactly. It gets you worship. That's what they want. So Yeah. But that, that's a way to explain about the, the relationship, because even God's relationship with Israel is husband and wife. Yeah. And while there's no yeah. sexual connotation to that, it it points the to the fact that there's a husband and a head and why men should be husbands and spiritual heads of their wives. Mm-hmm. And where Paul wrote that women should have a covering because of the angels. Yeah. You know, we talked yeah. about that. Yeah. And that, that. I mean, why would that have anything to do? Well, we ignore the spiritual realm. We still do. You know, Christians today are just not paying attention to the spiritual battle. And mm-hmm. which is why um, I recently heard about, I won't mention a name, but uh, a, a very popular podcast and show that had me on as a guest recently had people complain because of the subject matter that we talked about. And that show is on many radio networks that are Christian oriented. What were you talking about that was so bad? These things. Everything like we discussed. Sexual energy? No, we weren't talking about sexual energy. We were talking about uh, Nephilim, AI, UFOs, the coming deception. I mean, that's I mean, what it's all over the about, internet. Right? It's all over the internet. <laughs> I mean, come on. But, but there, there were, well, because Christians want to hide their head in the sand. You know, you've got some Christians that okay. you, they want to go to church, they want to sing praise and worship songs, and they want to come back and forget about it. Okay. And well, I, I'm not well, saying that's who complained, but pray for, if, if it comes to your mind, pray for a, a specific, well, I'm going to say her name, Tina Griffin, the Counterculture Mom Show. Sure. Pray for her show. Yeah, great uh, podcast. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. And pray for her ministry because it's under attack. And not just because she interviewed me, although uh, that was a catalyst. <laughs> You're the guy. <laughs> had a lot of, yeah, I'm the reason. That had a lot of, um, of people complaining about it. Incidentally, I've also gotten people write me. They say they heard me on her show and they thank God that they heard. And they now I, have I think the podcast. people want answers to this yeah. stuff. So they're seeking. So, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So back to the covenant, right. John. Uh, we chased a little bit of rabbit, but it, t- <laughs> it ties in because we were talking about the relationship of God and Israel and why he called himself a husband to them. Okay. And then he says, they broke that covenant, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. And again, he emphasizes it's not the church. It's nation. It's Israel. Okay. And he says, after those days, and he really is referring to the last days, after the last days, uh, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. 
and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Why does he have to say that? Because they're not his people right now. Yes, there's many Christians, or excuse me, many Jews turning to the Lord, Messianic Jews, you want to call them. And I think it's not really being reported. Uh, If I'm believing what some in the Messianic community are saying about it, if we're to believe that, there's a mass a massive turning of hearts in amongst Jewish people to the Lord. Back to, to God. Okay. To God and almost and to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah, that's why the, hence the term Messianic Jew, you know. And I hope that's true. Yeah. But that's another indication that we're in the last days. But uh you know, he he's talking about they shall be my people because they aren't a people nationally right now, since they were divorced. God divorced the unfaithful wife. Okay. That's what the book of Hosea is about. The entire prophet Hosea, the right, the thing, the book he wrote is a divorce, a bill of divorce. From Israel hmm. to okay. Israel from God. That's the next book I read then. Yeah, you, you read it with that thought in mind. Okay. Any of you, if you read the book of Hosea, think this is God writing a bill of divorcement. And here's the he's laying out all my case against you of why you did that. Hmm. And what okay. you're gonna do when you realize your mistake. You know, it's like, I think of the song, the Lou Rawls song, you'll never find another love like mine, you know, and he's sort of saying, you know, you're going to miss my loving is the title of the song. It's okay. a big popular hit song in the 70s. Uh, and, and it's sort of like a God is saying, you're going to miss me when I'm gone. And when you realize the mistake you made, isn't you're going to cry Bro- Isn't that Brooks and Dunn right there? You're going to miss me when I'm gone. I don't, I don't listen to Brooks and Dunn. you got to realize you're talking to a Louisiana. Wait, is that, New Brooks, and, is that Brooks and Dunn? Boy, yeah. I, I can't remember. Sorry. Be. I'm derailing your whole podcast. Sorry. It might be. Uh, we're going to have all these people writing this saying, oh, it was this or that, you know. Uh, yes, I personally, I, I didn't think country was not where my head went, you know. <laughs> I went to Seoul. I'm out there. <laughs> That's all right, though. We are in Texas. I mean, you know, if you're going to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle I in the band. I think right? and done. Somebody will write you yeah. and let you know. Somebody said, let me. I'm going to give him John's personal phone number. To no, call don't him. do that. <laughs> <laughs> to call him and correct him on that. So he said, uh, I'm going to put my law in their inward parts, so it's not going to be the Mosaic law. It's a new covenant. Okay. And write it in their hearts. So it's a spiritual law. It will be their God. They shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, all of Israel, from the least okay. to the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. We need to realize Israel hmm. doesn't receive the blotting out of their sins until the Lord comes back. They look hmm. forward to a day of atonement. The church, by contrast, we have the atonement now, Paul said in Romans 6. We have now received the atonement. Hi, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider being a full-time subscriber. We are going to use these funds to expand the message and get the word out about what's in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. We appreciate you listening, but we'd love it if you'd subscribe. That way we can reach more people with the time we have left. So enjoy the rest of the podcast, but think about subscribing if the Lord puts it on your heart. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks. So there is a distinction between the National Salvation Program of Israel and the time of grace in which we live right now. But individually, they are still saved by the finished work of Christ. Absolutely. Okay. And which yeah, is yeah. why I disagree with the teaching I taught for so many years about there being two separate churches. 
Uh, and I no longer believe that because there's only one church. It's yeah. the church, the body of Christ. Israel is just as much a part of that as we are. We're okay. all in the church, okay. but there's a distinction between the church age and the national salvation program of Israel. Okay. And there's some differences in inheritance. You know, we don't, the church doesn't receive the land grant promise. That time of restoration and the wine and the, the fats being filled and the, yeah. uh, the, the grain and the former rain and the latter rain, that's for the land of Israel, the land, he said. You know, we don't get that land. Okay. We're going to be back on the earth, but we're dealing with the nations. And that mm -hmm. all, incidentally, then this is where I think we may get to that um, in one of these episodes that we're going to do on, on the millennial reign of Christ. But the so-called Great Commission of Matthew 28, go ye therefore and teach all nations. We're going to find out, and maybe this will be a little bit of a teaser to get some Christians to be provoked to tune into the final episodes, that we say we're carrying out the Great Commission today. And you can make whatever spiritual application you want to of that. In the same way we use the term born again. Born again literally means born again from the dead. So until okay. you die physically and you put on that glorified body, you're technically not born again. But you can spiritually apply it. And we say it all the time, I'm a born-again believer. I'm a born-again Christian. Because right. judicially it's taken place, you know, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't have a problem now using the term born-again believer, even though it physically hasn't happened yet. But we're applying it judicially. That's fine. Okay. So if you want to apply the term judicially of uh, where the Great Commission is being carried out, that's okay. But it literally won't be carried out until the millennial reign of Christ. Okay. That's when, since they're all going to know the Lord from the least to the greatest, Israel will all know him and have the law written in their heart. He says, they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother. Well, if they're not going to teach themselves, who are they going to teach? They're going to go, you therefore, and teach all nations. The mm -hmm. nations don't know the Lord. Israel has the law written in their hearts. In the millennial reign? That's when the Great Commission is going to be carried out. And Jerusalem will be the epicenter of the world Absolutely. at that point because in revelation and i don't know what chapter you probably do but it talks about a city coming down from heaven that is 1200 miles by 1200 miles right yeah, 1500 1500 okay yeah, no, cubic sorry. miles that is New Jerusalem, right? Right. But that doesn't come down till the end of the thousand-year reign. Oh, am I jumping ahead into another podcast? Well, there are some people <laughs> that think, and we've actually done a, a podcast on the Heavenly City, but we'll do yeah. another one okay. with maybe to tie it in. That's a spaceship, right? It looks like it. I mean, something coming down well, out of heaven that's a... Uh, it's bigger than a space. It's like when Star Wars says, that's not a moon. <laughs> it's more like a Death Star. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's incredible, isn't yeah. it? 1,500 cubic miles, so where would you put that on the earth? Now, that's so why I say... Is it going to come down where Jerusalem is now? That's why I say it could be that it, I, I, I'm convinced that it comes out at the end of the thousand years because that's when we see a new heaven and a new earth, and that's when we see the new Jerusalem. Wow. So um, it could be that the new earth is going to be such that there's a place for it, or it could be it's more like a satellite. And, and like in a hovering over Earth, hovering over Earth, and I. This is pure speculation on my part. Well, that's okay. why I say we may need to do another podcast and tie this in. Do you remember Jacob's dream when he saw the ladder of God's angels ascending and descending? I mean, I'm, I remember reading about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not asking you for yeah. the details, but yeah. but you remember there was a dream that he had, and there was angels going up and down on the 
ladder. Yeah, and it was called a ladder, but I mean, it, I, you, but, we think of like a Home Depot ladder. And we're <laughs> yeah, but that's like, that's some guy writing five thousand years ago, and that's the best yeah. description he had. So right? it was it was probably a portal. Yeah, and in, and in my view, some sort of a heavenly spiritual escalator maybe or something or stairway yeah whatever i i don't know exactly what the ladder was but as far as i'm concerned that could be a picture of the mechanism by which we go from the city of jerusalem on the earth to the new jerusalem in heaven which is uh suspended above the earth maybe in some sort of a fixed geosynchronous hmm. orbit or something like that. And therefore, it's this portal that brings us up to it's that. It's like beam me up, Scotty, yeah. right? Like, let's go. Because even a 15, a 1,500 cubic mile city wouldn't, you, you, even if you could go to the front door on the earth, it was if it was on the surface of the earth, you know, you're, you're talking about, you, you could look up and you would not see the top. It would be outside of the atmosphere. It's 1,500 miles tall. Yes. It's a cube, right? We, it could be a cube or it could be a pyramid. It's a it's a city the size of Australia, basically. That is. It's a continent. Yeah. It's yeah. half it's half the width of the United States. Wow. Yeah. So if you went from you know uh, Norfolk, Virginia to Kansas City, Missouri, that's the width. <laughs> I'm, I'm speculating that's fifteen hundred miles. So I just need like one of the apartments on the outside <laughs> with a view. Right. <laughs> So I, I really do think that that is the new Jerusalem that ultimately comes down because that's when God will dwell with man on the earth. But right, he's not going to do that yet. Okay. Right now he's going to dwell in the new... We'll get to the temple that they build in the city of physical Jerusalem on the earth okay. during the thousand-year reign of Christ, and Jesus himself reigns wow. in that city So he, when he comes back. So Israel is restored and united because they were two separate nations at some point, they got split into Israel and Judea. And there's going to be one king that reigns over them, Jesus. And David, King David from the past, mm -hmm. who was the king uh, of Israel that was um, over the United Kingdom still, mm -hmm. uh, he's going to be a prince. And the nation becomes a kingdom of priests. So let's go to Ezekiel 37 and read a little bit about that. And from basically um, Ezekiel 40 on to the end of the chapter, it talks about, all of this stuff that's going to go on in the kingdom. The okay. priesthood, the sacrifices, the temple, the measurements, the land, and we're going to touch on that throughout the series. Okay, cool. So Ezekiel 37 is verse 21, And say unto them, God is telling him to write, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone, scattered because of the curses. Mm -hmm. and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. I do not believe that's fulfilled today. There, maybe it's they're the still scattered. Yeah, it there's is, Jews yeah, all over the world. Yeah, yeah. So they're not all, all in one nation yet. Yeah. So they have, if it's the beginning of it, I'm okay they, with that. But they never will all be in one nation. They will here. Really? Yeah, okay. they okay. will here. I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all. That's Jesus. Okay. And they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms anymore at all. Neither shall they defile themselves anymore with their idols, 
nor were their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions when they went a whoring after the gods. Mm -hmm. But I will save them out of all their dwelling places wherein they have sinned and will cleanse them. That's going to come back into play later. Remember that term, I'm going to cleanse them. Okay. That has to do with the application of the atonement to Israel. Uh, so shall they be my people, and I will be their God. And David, my servant, shall be king over them. And they all shall have one shepherd. Who's the good shepherd? Jesus Christ. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. Why? Because he said he's going to write them on their hearts in okay. Jeremiah. And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob, my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt. So they're all going to be there. It doesn't mean they can't ever leave it. They're going to travel. Yeah. You know, the, Jew, the, the priests are going to go you therefore and teach the nations. But it's like a missionary venture, hmm. and then they're going to come back home. Okay. Okay. And they shall dwell therein, the land, even they and their children and their children's children forever. So there's the answer to your question. Are they, are they all going to be there? Yeah. He just said they were. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. So there's a hierarchy. It's, it's like you've got Christ, the 12 apostles. Yeah. David, or it may be the priesthood under them and then David. But I think it's David the prince and then the priesthood, and then they're going to go to the nations. So now is this David that slew Goliath? Mm-hmm. Wow. Which is another kind of interesting thing. It's the yeah. guy that... Wiped, the giant killer. Wiped out the Nephilim, right? Yeah. Like, symbolically, right? He only killed one of them, but... Well, there were still some giants in the land, and it, and it looks like Goliath and his brothers, the giants of Goth or Gath, uh-huh. the, from the Philistines or Philistines, Yeah, uh, that was the last remnant of giants in the land. Okay. You know, Joshua did the heavy lifting. Before there was a king, there were judges, and Joshua was the yeah. first, well, the second judge if you count Moses. The second judge of Israel. Okay. And so most of the giants were ridden of the land through Joshua and the conquest of Canaan. But the, throughout the years, there there were conclaves of them or whatever groups that they, hmm. as they began to diminish, they hid out and hung out in certain areas. And then finally... I'm getting to all that. So I'm reading through I'm, the books of <clears throat> Moses right now, which are fascinating. Yeah. Right? But I just read Deuteronomy and I just got through the part where... Um, Og of Bashan. Yeah. They, they took him out, and then the size of his bed is like, <laughs> anyway. 15 cubits. Yeah, it's huge, oh, right? Something but, like yeah, that. Yeah, they're, they're kind of cleansing out all, all, all the Nephilim DNA. Isn't it fascinating that we spent all our lives growing up, if we read the Bible, if we went to a church or a Sunday school or whatever, and the books that Moses wrote are essentially, our focus was, it was the law, it was the law. Yeah. We, we summarize it as law. And it's called the Torah. It's called the law. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, but those books catalog the battles of the giants. No one teaches on them. No one ever brought it up. Yeah. It's, it's like red light flashing. Hey, there were giants. They were the product of fallen angels and human yeah. beings. And they're bad. And we have to clear them out. We have no to kill one, everything. No church teaches on it. Nothing. It's mind blowing. It's like it's one of the biggest things that ever happened in human history. It's a conspiracy. There you go. Right? There you go. Is it? Am I on something there? A conspiracy of (laughs) ignorance. It's a conspiracy of ignorance. 
They want, you know, why do you think Smithsonian has the bones? Why do you think they hide the truth of the cataclysmic events of the earth? Well, because they don't want people to know who the fallen angels are. Yeah. I think, right? Well, and, and even historians will say David was a myth in, or a legend like Hercules. Oh, well, Jesus was a myth. Oh, well, they, yeah, yeah, the whole thing was a myth. Ultimately. Right? I mean, the Anunnaki yeah. is really what came down yeah. and seated us all. Right? That's going to be the great deception. <laughs> That's gonna, just as right now the current paradigm is... Uh, I mean, we're all half monkey, right? Yeah. That, well, that's, evolution. The whole, that's the whole deal. Yeah, so that evolutionary theory that they teach is fact, yeah. which is a lie, is going to be replaced with panspermia, the seeding of humanity by the Anunnaki, the aliens. And they're coming back. They're coming back to collect their kids. Yeah. And to move us to the next phase and of evolution. And then they're going to set up their new Jerusalem and people are going to take the mark and <laughs> the mothership. Yeah, I mean, come on. Their new Jerusalem is the mothership, <laughs> right? All right, sorry. Always, always trying to emulate or imitate God, the dragon is. Yeah. Yeah, through his things. So, um... David's going to be their prince. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. And the last segment of our series is peace. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. With who? Well, the nation. So again, the way to read the church into this. I will place them and multiply. Placing them means in their land. I will okay. place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. So there's going to be a temple rebuilt. It's going to remain there forever. And my tabernacle also shall be with them, yea, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel. That means set them apart, make them holy. When my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. So there's going to be a temple that's built, and then, then we're going to have that new city too, which is called the tabernacle of God, the okay. one we talked about that comes yeah. down from heaven. Now, backing up to chapter 36 of this same chapter in Ezekiel, the Lord is going to... We, he says, I'm going to cleanse them. You know, okay. So the Lord is going to wash Israel clean of their iniquities. And this is the final atonement. So where I mentioned Paul said in Romans 6 that the church has already been received the atonement. Mm -hmm. They don't have their atonement yet. This is going to be when their sins are blotted out. He said in Jeremiah 31, for I will forgive their iniquities. So they have remission until okay. this day. And that's where people get confused because the same Greek word for forgiveness is used for remission. But there are different words in English for a reason. Okay. So don't substitute forgiveness for remission. If you've got a Bible where the word should be remission and they've changed it to forgiveness, they've done an error. Hmm. That Bible okay. is not accurate. Okay. I'm, I'm talking about an English Bible. Yeah. Because... There's a reason it was called remission because it's up, it's applying to Israel temporarily until the atonement, and if you don't if you screw that up you miss the whole point, right? Wow. Okay. So go to Ezekiel 36 and look in verse 21. Why is he going to do this? He said, "But I had pity for mine holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen." Now we're back to when they were doing the wrong things mm -hmm. before he restores. And so among whither you went, therefore say unto the house of Israel. In other words, Israel profaned God's name among the Gentiles. Israel did that. Hmm. So say right. unto them, thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the heathen, whither you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which you have profaned in the midst of them. 
and the heathen or Gentiles shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. So that begins the restoration. And what he's saying is, I'm not doing this because you're great. Yeah. I'm not doing this because whatever. I'm doing this for my name. You profaned it, but I'm going to prove that you couldn't do that. You couldn't denigrate me. You couldn't stop me. I keep my covenants. Yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> continuing on, he says, then, and this is the, this is, boy, you talk about the great divider. What is the great divider among Christian churches today? The method of baptism. The method of baptism. Yeah. That's why you have all the denominations. I'm a Methodist. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Catholic. I'm a whatever, you know. So it's the act? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, how it's done. Huh. It's got to be done by this kind of preacher. It's got to be done in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's got to be done in the should name of Jesus. Should you do it or should you not do yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Oh, but that's what divided all the denominations. It was method of methodology of baptism. I never thought that much about it. Yeah, really. And there's other doctrinal things that they differed on, but that yeah. was the big divider. Huh. And so God sort of sets it all in place right here. He shuts everybody up. Okay. He says, "For then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean." You want to know the method of baptism? It's sprinkling. Hmm. It's not immersion. It's not dunking in the river. They went down to the Jordan River, and he poured the water on. So is your opinion, then, that it is, I don't want to say bad. That's a a bad term, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it's unnecessary to be baptized as a Christian? Well, Because I think a lot of people have it, that question in their mind. They're, they're like, hey, I'm a Christian. Should I go be baptized? Yeah. It's the su- it's a vastly bigger subject than we can get into here. Today. Okay. Okay. So, wow. Yeah. But the bottom line is... Water baptism is a Jewish ordinance. So just let that sink in. Okay. Why would it apply to Gentiles? Unless the priesthood is being sent to do the baptizing, which they're going to do in the millennial reign of Christ. I think so many Christians nowadays just think of it as a confirmation, like a almost like a public confirmation. Well, they say it's a profession of faith, but you can't find that in the scripture. Huh. You can't find it. Paul said there's one baptism, and he said, by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. So the, the, the baptism that places you in the body of Christ is spiritual, not water. If you want to get wet, that's fine. I have nothing against you. you know? <laughs> but I'm just saying that when you, it's kind of like we were talking about terms like born again yeah. or whatever. Uh, when, you, when you get down to the, what the Word of God actually says about it, then it, even Paul said, I was not sent to baptize. Well, then you won't follow yeah, the Great yeah, Commission yeah. if you want to get I think it. a lot of people, though, think, hey, I'm a Christian, but I'm not really a part of God's family until I get baptized. Yeah. So I need to, but I always lean back on Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, right? Yeah. For by safe, for by. By grace you saved. Saved through faith, yeah. right? And that not of works, or I'm butchering the whole verse, but you know what I'm saying. But we know what you're right? talking about. You yeah. gave the right reference, yeah. Yeah, so you don't have to do something to be saved because it's already been done for. Right. And and my concern is always that somebody will look to the act of baptism as their salvation that's what rather than at. the act of faith yeah, you're that's talking what I'm about. Yeah. Like they like I'm saved but now I have to go do this to yeah. it's almost like getting your church membership. Yeah. And then people make the argument, well if you if you truly believed you would do it. But no, nothing yeah. about the scripture identifies with that. You just hit the nail on the head when you said it's for church membership. It's yeah. how they count yeah. the numbers. And when you think about it, David got punished for counting the 
children of Israel. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's a can of worms. That's like you said, yeah. that's a whole other podcast, yeah. right? So, right. and I've done, I've talked about it in the past, and I'll talk about it again. But when Israel is restored, God clearly said, "Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, okay. and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Will I cleanse you? A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you." That didn't happen the moment a person got baptized. That's an mm-hmm. event that's going to take place here. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. And that matches Jeremiah 31. They said, all right, my law in your inward parts. Uh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. We can't claim the fathers as Gentiles. And you shall be my people and I will be your God. I will also save you from all your uncleannesses. Boy, that's a hard word to say. (laughs) And I will call for the corn and will increase it. And corn again is grain. Yeah. Uh, And lay no famine upon you, so plenty. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field that you shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Then shall you remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. Not for your sakes do I this, saith the Lord God, be it known unto you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. I mean, how do you read the church into this? Over and over again, he's pointing out, it's you, Israel. Yeah. You, Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, in the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities through sprinkling, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities, and the wastes shall be builded, and the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by. And why is it desolate? Because of the tribulation, you know, and all that's Mm -hmm. going to be destroyed. And they shall say, the land, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden, and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. Then the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that that was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Hmm. So you got all this promise. And and when you think about it, when Jesus Christ called the twelve, he sent them not but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's preaching this message. Kingdom of heaven is at hand. The millennial reign of Christ is the kingdom of heaven. I'll restore to you, Israel, if you will obey, if you will do it. And Peter summarized all of that we just read in so many words when he preached one of the messages after Christ rose from the dead. He had two main addresses, Pentecost and Acts 2, when he talked to all the Jews gathered for Pentecost. And in Acts chapter 3, he spoke of these times of restoration, and he called them the times of restitution. So in Acts 3, verse 19, he says to them, after he preached about Jesus, he said, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Hmm. And I've read Bible versions that make it look like he says, Be converted so that your sins may be blotted out, or that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing shall come. They always tie it into like prosperity. You know, if you repent of your sins, God's going to bless you and give you two Cadillacs, you know, like a (laughs) Benny Hinn kind of whatever those birds are. Uh, And he shall send Jesus. He tells you when the times of refreshing are. When when is that going to be? When he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until 
the times of restitution, like you said, payback, mm-hmm. yeah. of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So we just read several of them. We read four or five different prophets that talks about restoration and restitution. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall you hear, and all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which shall not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. And John, really, we're not done with restoration, but I want to keep our messages back to a reasonable time, and we're already pushing an hour. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to close with one last passage about this, okay. and then we'll, we'll conclude uh, next week, because we're going to get so much stuff in, it's going to be like more than the brain. You know, what is it? The, the brain can only absorb as much as the butt can endure. <laughs> Not that they're sitting listening, you know, but, but really all of this has to do with this is what Christ meant when he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is in hand. So turn to Exodus 19 with me, and okay. I want you to read verse 3, because we want to see what what he meant when he said the kingdom of heaven is in hand. All right? Okay. Now, because all this is tying into, we're saying basically for this episode that the millennial reign of Christ is the kingdom of heaven, and it's a thousand-year reign. Mm-hmm. When Moses was told these words in Exodus 19, Verse 3, it says, And Moses went up to God in the Mount Sinai, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. Again, you can't read the church into this. He addresses who he's speaking to. It's Israel. Yeah. All right. yeah. You've seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. And that has to do with the whole book of the Exodus. Yeah, yep. Everything that, that that took place there when he delivered them. Not the whole book, but the first part. Yeah. Where I delivered you from Pharaoh. You saw what I did. Now, therefore, because of my deliverance of you, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And incidentally, that's the very covenant that God said you broke mm-hmm. back in Jeremiah 31. And it was the law the law of Moses. So they broke that covenant. And the main thing they broke was, thou shall have no other gods before me. Yeah. And they can't keep that. The first one. They can't keep that. I don't get that. Yeah. That's what, that's, that was the, the main thing that they did. All right. But he said, if you do this, you shall be a peculiar treasure above all nations and they will when they're restored. Now watch this last verse. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests Mm -hmm. and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Always, multiple times, he's telling you who to address. Israel, Israel, Israel. All right? Mm-hmm. But think of that term, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. When Jesus said, repent ye therefore for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that's what he meant. You know what God offered you in Exodus 19 that you have rejected time and time again by worshiping other gods? Here I am. I'm the king. If you'll accept me, you can have the kingdom. And what did they do? They crucified him. Hmm. So Israel never Hmm. fulfilled the covenant with God. Christ came to redeem them, and they rejected him. So he went back to his place until they make their 
confession, until they yeah. acknowledge their offense. And that is what I mean by the national salvation program to Israel. They were offered to be a kingdom of priests. And so next week, we're going to get into the priesthood. We're going to see how the fulfillment of the kingdom of heaven is when they rise up to be a priesthood and they're going to go fulfill the Great Commission. Okay. They're going to go either to John Nations. Mind blowing. I hope so. <laughs> and I hope it opens some eyes. <laughs> so, till next time, I want to thank you, John. Hey, thanks for having me. And thank you for listening and tuning in. We hope it's a blessing to you. I hope it provokes some thoughts in your mind. And Lord willing, you'll tune in next week. So, yep, you'll be here. And until then, remember to look up for our redemption draws nigh. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to our premium ad-free content at BibleMysteriesPodcast.com. 